This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. When you read the Bible, you ought to figure out something about the character of God. And tonight in the passage of Scripture, if you don't love Him more, it'll shock me. If you don't get out of this chapter going, wow, what a God. If that doesn't happen, I will be surprised. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and I'm just going to kind of summarize the chapter because I have 31 pages of notes and like seven pages of those are Bible verses or just the first set of the text. So I can't read everything to you and get through. Uh, So uh, let me just tell you, here's what happens. David is now at rest. The city is is established. The country's established. The fighting's over. He's the king and everything's going good. And David is sitting in his house and he's got this really nice house. Uh, could, uh, uh, it is an Alpharetta style house. I'm telling you, it's nice. It's a house of cedar. And while he's sitting around talking and thinking, he says, Nathan, this is ridiculous. I've got a really nice house. God doesn't have a nice house for the ark to be in. I think we ought to do something about fixing God a house. Nathan said, wow, you're the kind of guy I really like. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And Nathan goes out and God speaks to Nathan and says, you go back in and ask him, did I ever ask, did I ask him to build me a house? Did I ask the guy to build me a house? Did I, if I, am I not the one that told y'all to build a tabernacle and a tent for me to live in or put my ark in and let it move around in? And, and all of a sudden now y'all want to build me a house? Let me just remind you of who I am. I'm the guy that got you out of Egypt. I'm the guy that made you. I am God, and I don't need you to build me a house. But David, since you won't build me one, I think I'll just build you one. That's pretty awesome. He said, you won't build me a house, I'll just build you a house. In fact, I'll tell you what I'll do, Dave. I'll let your son be the one who builds me my house, and you guys can, he, your, son will ne- his, your throne will never end. I am going to just really take care of you. And David goes, God, uh, 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 I don't know what to say. Uh, you know me, and I'm, I'm just speechless. Uh, but since you said it, I'm just going to say thank you. And, hey, I hope it all works out really good. Make sure and take really good care of me and my family. That's the chapter that you're about to, you're about to study through. He, the chapter is about magnifying his name. I'll walk you through a lot of the verses, as uh, we always do. But if you got your Bible open, go down to verse 26. And he says, and let thy name be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. Let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. But look at it, let thy name be magnified forever. What you need to watch for in this chapter is this. David loves God, and he spends his peaceful years making much of God. David, from his own heart, wants to do something special for God. He wants God to be more honored that he is as a king. God tells him no. Then says, I'll not let you build me a house, but I'll build you one. That has to be the sweetest love story you can read in the Old Testament. David doesn't get mad, but accepts what the Lord is saying and realizes God's telling him how much he loves him. God gives David a promise that is still being kept today. The nation of Israel was God's chosen people to make his name great. And God will never abandon them. God chose David and promised that the seed of David would always sit on David's throne. And that's Jesus. 
who is the fulfillment of that promise as he will sit on the throne of David and rule forever and ever. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1, if you would read that with me. and Write this down. David's heart, when the rest and peace get started. David's heart. Just look at David's heart with me. The Bible says, It came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within curtains. Would you pray with me? I want to ask God for you and for me to both of us learn how much our God loves us. I want you to think tonight about what a sweet God he is. I want you to think tonight because I think somebody told you that if you serve God, he takes everything from you, and he's kind of mean to you, makes your life dull and dreary. But here David is trying to do something for God, and God's like, hey, man, I appreciate you want to do something for me. I'll just do something for you while we at it. That's a pretty great story. And I can tell you he's done that for me. He's done it for you. You might not recognize it. Father, open our eyes tonight and make us look at how great you are. I love you. Your church here loves you. We love you. And tonight I would ask you to help our hearts be lifted up to exalt you and worship you and thank you for how sweet and how good you are. And I pray your people would just hunger for you and realize what a wonderful and awesome God you are. And how great it is to serve you. And how in every chapter of the Bible we can see what a wonderful God you are. And I thank you for your kindness to us. I thank you for your richest blessings on us. And we'll give you praise for all in Jesus' name. Amen. David's at rest from his enemies. David's in his house. He's finally enjoying peace. And he knows that it's God that gave him peace. If you got your Bible open, you ought to underline. You ought to underline in verse 1. The Lord had given him rest. David recognizes that. And so David uses the time he has to consider what he can do for God. So all of a sudden, you know, he's kind of got over those first struggles that he had as as he, he couldn't be king yet. And Saul was throwing spears at him and he was hiding in caves. And then finally he got to Judah and, and there were still battles going on all around him. And, but now he's in Israel. He's got Judah and Israel. He's got the whole conglomerate and he's in charge and he's got a nice house and everything is settling down. And he's not just relaxing or building monuments to himself, but he said, man, I want to honor God. God's done great stuff in my life and I want to say thank you. And David recognizes that God's done them. David wants to say, I love you, I appreciate you, and I thank you. David has a special man of God in the story. You'll know him because if you studied your Bible, you know about Nathan. He's the new prophet that God's using to speak to David. There's a guy named Gad. He was in in the wartime, but now Gad's still there, but Nathan's become that special man. And Nathan goes between God and David, and David's desire to have a man of God so close. That's a pretty good picture. That even in his days of success, most of us want a man of God when the baby's sick. Most of us want a man of God when finances are in trouble and when everything's messed up. But David's prospering and Nathan is close by. And he will later be the prophet, by the way, who confronts David when David sends to Bathsheba. So you'll know about Nathan. Nathan is so excited about David. He's like, man, this king... We had Saul, but now we got David, and David's in love with God, and David wants to build him a house and, and a, build a house for God. And I'm excited about it. He, said, he says in verse 3, go do all that's in your heart. Man, this is great. Go build a house. He's excited to see the desire. He knows David's different. God is with David. And he says, 
He says, love God with all your heart. Do what you got in your heart, Dave. This is wonderful. I'd like to stop and ask you a question. When your success and rest comes, what do you think about? You see, in all honesty, Betty and I live far more at rest today than we ever did before. And a lot of you have to say you're there. I remember what it was like struggling when Betty and I first got married. And uh, uh, especially after I'd started the church at, at Liberty Church and Liberty Baptist Church in Cardinal, after I'd started that church and after I'd messed things up and all the struggles and I, we didn't even know where we were going to pay the bills. And for two years, we didn't even have a paycheck. Betty didn't work anywhere else. And for two years, God answered prayer, but it was tough. It was fighting. And all of a sudden, now we're at rest. And if you live in Alpharetta and you're a little bit older, all you guys over, say, 35 or 40, you know, you probably got a pretty decent job and you probably live in a pretty nice house and you probably got a pretty nice car and you probably got a pretty nice life. And this is a good time to compare yourself to David because you are at rest in a lot of ways. Whereas many people in the world are wondering if we're going to eat, we're just wondering about what we're going to eat. And we're going to make sure we pick the best stuff. And while a lot of people are wondering where they'll sleep tonight, you and I both know we got a good place to go and sleep. And so I'd like to ask you, what? What you can do for yourself with your wealth, is that what you're asking or what you can do for him? I finally got some money. I finally got some comfort. I finally got my life going well. Is it about you or is it about him? What do you consider in these times of blessings? How to get more blessings or how to love God like never before? When blessings come, do you meditate more on you or on him? Because there's a whole message there when you consider what old David did. When you consider David's in his house, and I mean, honestly, he's got it knocked, and there's no reason to get the ark out of the tabernacle. It's been there for a long time. God's never mentioned it, and nobody said a word to David about it, and David's just sitting there thinking, check out my house, man. I've got a nice place, and I know the tent. It's just a tent, and they drug that thing around when Moses was around, and I think it'd be a good deal to build God a house. What's he doing thinking like that? Why wasn't he thinking about a statue of him downtown? Why wasn't he thinking about a memorial to the battles he fought? Why wasn't he thinking about all he could do about his legacy? But instead of that, David was thinking, man, I love God. Man, I love God. And I'd just like to think about what I could do for God in this time. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 4. Second thing that happens, God denies David's request to build him a house. He denies his house, and Nathan comes back in, and he kind of speaks harshly to David. You'd kind of get the feeling you'd at least come in and say, you'd at least come in and say, David, that's a really nice thing to think about. That's a great idea, buddy, but God don't want you doing that. But in the story, what he says is, uh, what he says, if you read the story, he said, it came to pass, the Lord came to him and said, verse 5, shall you build me a house for me to dwell in? And in verse 7, he says, In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why build you not me a house? Have I ever even mentioned this? I'd be, like, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be kind of like, Nathan, couldn't you tone that down a little bit? I mean, the guy's offering to make a, a big offer, but God said, I don't know. I don't want a house. I'd ask you to build me a house. I didn't, I, I, I'm the one that told them to build a tent. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 6, he said, Whereas I, you know, this is a fun thing to do if you study your Bible, I could circle all the eyes where God's talking about himself. 
I have not dwelt in any house since the time I brought you. I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt even to this day, but we have walked in a tent, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Verse 10, I will appoint a place. God said, David, you don't have to worry about doing stuff for me. I'm God. You don't have to worry about doing stuff for me. I'm God. Uh, fact is, Dave, if you want to go back and think about this just a second, I'm the guy that did all the work in your life, and I'm the guy who's going to take care of Israel. And I'll plant them in verse 10. I'll plant them, and they'll dwell in their own place, and they won't have to move anymore. What is going to be so beautiful before this chapter is over is that God is going to tell David, I love you, buddy. I am building you a house. God's going to bless in big ways, and in the story it seems like a response to David's great love for God. Are you in any way planning on what you can do for God? That's a serious question. It just took up the offering plate. Have you ever thought, boy, God's been good to me. I ought at least tithe. I ought at least do something for missions. I ought to I, I'm not doing this out of a legalistic thing. I just want to do something for God. And here's the story. He doesn't need you. And he doesn't need your money. That's what the chapter's about. He doesn't need your money. He says, I made you. I don't need you. I'll appoint you a place. You don't have to worry about fixing a place. I'm in charge. I'll do it. But David loves him. And then God loves David back. God loves that you want to do for him and make much of him. That's the story in this chapter. God loves it that you love him. And you want to make much of him. So it's an honest question. I know some of you, probably all of you, tithe. And you may tithe out of a legalistic duty that you have to. But that's not the story of 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's not the story. The story in 2 Samuel chapter 7 is, ain't nobody making any rules, ain't nobody asking for anything. I'm just thinking about how much I love God. It's kind of like, it's, by the way, can I just, it's, it, even at Christmas, you know when you buy a gift for your wife, it's kind of like, well, it's the 25th of December, we're supposed to. Sam, you'll figure that out. <laughs> but it ain't the 25th of December, and it's not our birthday. And David's just sitting there going, man, I love him. I just love him. Uh, I've got a nice house. What do I could do for God? I just love him. It's a beautiful story. And so you may be tithing because you have to. You may be tithing because you think God wants you to. You might have even gone to one of them churches where you heard about God being a mafia boss, and if you don't tithe at church, he'll take it from you at the junkyard, or he'll break your legs, which is not biblical at all. God's not that kind of God. But you could look at it like David, and you could think to yourself right now, man, God's been good to me. He has blessed me beyond anything I could ever tell anybody, and I just want to do something for God. Third thing I want you to look at, 2 Samuel 7, 8. God reminds David that he's the one doing things for others. So over these next few verses, God reminds David of his blessings on David. He wants David to know that God doesn't need David, but David needs God. 
David was a nobody until God decided to use him. And in these verses, God says, uh, Dave, you want to build me a house? <laughs> uh, you were nothing until I got you. Look at it. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. You got it? Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Hey, Nathan, go tell him I said this. I took you from behind the sheep, from following sheep, and I made you a ruler over my people. But I wish you'd circle in that verse, I took you. I took thee. In other words, God said, David, you were just a shepherd boy, and that's all you'd be today if it hadn't have been that I did something there. And by the way, in verse 9, he said, And David, it was me that gave you victory. Look at verse 9. I was with thee. Wherever you went, I've been with you. And I'm the one that cut off all your enemies. And I'm the one that has made your name great, like all the great men on the earth. Just so we get something straight, Dave, trying to honor me, I have already honored you. God not only gave him victory, but he made his name great. David, you didn't get here on your own. I just want to remind you of that. And then in verse 27, look at what it says. God, look at this. Samuel 7, 27. David's actually praying back to God now what's in this chapter. But I went ahead and threw this verse in for you. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, you have revealed to your servant, saying, I will build thee a house. I will build you a house. Therefore has thy servant found in his heart to pray this to you. I should never forget that it's God that saved me and gave me all the success I have today. By the way, I couldn't turn my life around. I couldn't change me. I couldn't do what I did. God's been good to me. He saved me. How many of you know it was God that saved you and you don't think it was because of you turning over a new leaf or picking yourself up by your bootstraps, but you realize God changed you. Say amen. amen. Let me just ask you this. You're sitting by a woman that you love or you're sitting by a man that you love. You realize God even did that for you. You realize God gave you the kids you got. You realize that, don't you? The house you live in, God gave you that. I should realize, boy, everything I have, I'm alive because God's been good to me. I'm alive. That's what's going on. We do not arrive at some day that God needs our help. God's not up in heaven saying, I've been doing good stuff for you, Dave. Time for you to do it for me. Because here's what Dave said. I'd like to do something for you. And God said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the God here. I'm the one that does big stuff. He's going to let David do stuff. Huh? But he just wants David to remember something. See, most false most almost I'll say all gods, but maybe it's most all. They always want you doing something for them. But our God's like, I don't need you. I'll do stuff for you. I'm not asking you to walk on your knees. I'm not asking you to beat yourself. I'm not asking you to burn your body or do anything stupid. I'm a good God. I do stuff for y'all. David, you remember where you were when I came along? I want to always be thankful to God for all that he is and has been doing. We're not the blessing to him that he is to us. Fourth thing, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11, God makes a covenant with David. Now, this is important. This is important because it's still, in, it's still, I don't know what the word is in English, it's still in place today. I don't know how you're supposed to say that. It's still in place today. And look what he says in 2 Samuel 7, 11. He says, and since the time that I commanded the judges 
to be over my people and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also, the Lord telleth thee that he will make you a house. So I want you to notice this. In, in the verse he said, I gave you judges and I, caused the, I gave you rest. I gave you victory over all your enemies. And I want to tell you what I'm going to do, David. I'm going to build you a house. You need to underline in verse 11, and the Lord tells you that he will make thee a house, an house. God had given them victory over the enemies and rest. And now he promises David a house. He's going to establish David's kingdom through his son, 2 Samuel 7, 12. And, and, and there's two things going on here. It is definitely a blessing on a person named David and his kids but you're going to find out this all leads us to Jesus. In 2 Samuel 7, 12, the Bible says, And when thy days be fulfilled, David, when you die and sleep with your daddy, I will set up thy seed. Underline that. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. David, I made your name great. I delivered you from all your enemies. I brought you where you are today. I did all that for you. And David, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to build me a house. I'll build you one. And David, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm even going to let your kid rule. And I'm going to see to it that your son will soon be a ruler. And I'll let your boy that's born to you build a house for me. 2 Samuel 7, 13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Watch out. Forever. You need to circle forever there. See, because I got forever salvation. How many of y'all got forever salvation? Say amen. That's a big word in the Bible, forever. Eternal, everlasting, forever. Solomon will end up building the temple. and God will establish Solomon as his king. But Solomon, you don't get to live any way you want. You don't get to live any way you want. Your country doesn't get to do anything it wants. Because if you do, I will bring the consequences on you. I will bring chastisement. Look at 2 Samuel seven fourteen. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. So David, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let your son be a king after you and I'm really going to let him build my temple that you were wanting to build for me and I'm going to really take care of him but he needs to know something. Just because you're mine don't mean you get to live like you won't. That's a sideline note right there real quick. Just because you belong to God, you've been saved by grace, don't mean you get to live any way you want. You're to live for Jesus. Can I hear an amen there? Your, your, your life is, is his, and that's where it's supposed to be lived. God will not take away his kingdom, though. This is where it starts really becoming interesting. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, and verse 15, he says, My mercy shall not depart away from your son, from him, like I took it from Saul, and whom I put away before you. He said, he said you know... It's a tenuous thing because you saw Saul lose the blessing. But Saul never was worried about me. And Saul never thought about me. And David, you're thinking about me and you're like me. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I'm going to set your family up to be the ruler. He took the position of leadership from Saul, not his salvation. You need to listen to this. You see, salvation is not what's in question here. Service is. What's in question here is leadership not eternal life. You can forfeit the place of ministry that God gives you. The strongest consequence of your sin would be losing all the privileges and position that God gives you because of sin. That's what Saul did. He lost that. And he said, Solomon, I'm going to let him keep it. 
Verse 16, the, the kingdom will be established forever. You need to read verse 16 because I'm going to talk to you about Jews in just a minute in Israel. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. That's obviously not talking about David or his physical children because nobody lives forever on the earth. So we're talking about something beyond that. But you see, David will have a son that will come out of his lineage named Jesus. And Jesus will reign forever and ever, seated on the throne of David, which is this promise right here. This is called the Davidic Covenant. It is the covenant God made with David. It's God's promise to David. David has promised that his family line will continue to lead Israel. God has chosen to make David's name great. God's always been making covenants with his people. Now, you need to understand something before I, you know. You see, if you follow popular theology today, Israel is not really important and it doesn't exist any longer, and we're Israel, and so all of God's promises to Israel just kind of got eaten up and swallowed in some kind of new, I don't know, melting pot but that's not biblical you see God gave a promise to to Abraham God gave a promise to Isaac God gave a promise to Jacob God gave a promise to David God gave promises throughout the Bible and God keeps his word and if God gave a promise to Abraham he wouldn't keep that he couldn't he might not keep the promise he made to me our God will keep his word the Bible says he made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. And he told Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and you'll be a blessing. He said, Abraham, I've chosen you, not salvation here. I've chosen you for service. I've chosen you to be a blessing. I've chosen you to be a blessing to, to all the families of the earth and all of them will be blessed. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6, it even explains that. And Abraham believed God. And in verse 7, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are children of Abraham. And the God would justify the heathen through faith. God blessed faithful Abraham. Verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So God gave his promise to Abraham. He said, Abraham, you're going to bless the world. You're going to bless the whole world. And he did bless the whole world. They gave us the word of God. This book was written by Jews. Can I get an amen right there? This book was you. God used saved Jews to give us this book. And then he used Jews to give us Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3, if you would, in verse 16, it says, And to Abraham and his seed, which were the promises, where the promises made, he said, and, to, not to, and he said, to seeds as of many, but as of one. To thy seed, which is Christ. So all the way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we're looking forward to Jesus. He's going to sit on the throne. He's God's blessing. Israel was called to be the human channel through which the word of God and the son of God would come to the world. Israel was chosen to be the channel. In other words, God's going to bless the world through the nation of Israel. These covenants and promises are fulfilled in Jesus. By the way, he's been making promises all through the Bible. Before there ever were any Jews, 
He told Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, after they'd sinned and after Adam and his wife, he only called her woman, after they'd messed up, he stepped out and said, I tell you what, I'm going to make a promise to you. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head. He said, I'll send a seed of, Mar- a seed of Eve, what's her name will be changed to, and that seed will stomp Satan's head. That'd be Jesus. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, it's going to be a Jew because he said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee, and thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All the families are blessed because Jesus came, and Jesus died on the cross, and Jesus stomped death and hell and, and Satan in the head. It's going to be from the tribe of Judah, Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And in Micah, he said he'll be born in Bethlehem. And in Matthew 2, 6, it said... In, in thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and art come of thee a governor that shall rule my people Israel, and he will rule forever and ever. Luke one thirty two says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now listen to me. When you read the New Testament, you see you can't understand the New Testament if you don't understand the Old Testament. What do you mean throne of David? Well, there was a day back in 2 Samuel. And God put David on a throne. And David wanted to build God a house. And God said, uh, no, no, no. You don't build me houses. I build you houses. And while you're building me, while you want to build me a house, I'm going to build you a house. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to put you a throne in there. Because I like you, boy. I like the way you're talking to me. I like the way you're acting. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let your kids sit on that throne all the way for eternity. Now, you might say, well, how does that work? Well, it's not really hard when you understand Luke chapter 1 and verse 32. The writer of Luke said, I know what it meant. This kid that's going to be born in Bethlehem of a virgin will sit on the throne of his father, David. Some major lessons to learn here. Only seven pages to go. We're doing good. I will fly. Don't worry. Y'all are all nervous. I can see you. John Pearson saw these notes and said, Lord, help me, son. Look at look at." Look at, just teasing, some major lessons. God has made great promises to Israel that will not fail. Do you realize that Israel has never gone out of existence because of God's promise? Countries are swallowed up. They no longer exist. The map I learned when I was a kid doesn't even exist today. But there's this one pesky little group of people whose time goes all the way back to Genesis 11, the last few verses, and Genesis 12. And they're called Israel, they're called the Jews, and you can't get rid of them because they're God's people. Not for salvation, it wasn't a salvation thing, but for service, they're God's people. We can watch out in the future for things about Israel because that's prophecy, and God's word always comes true. If he keeps his word with the Jews, you can be sure that he'll do the same for you. You know, you should read the Old Testament. I'm just telling you, I hope you're figuring out it's a nice book. I hope you're understanding as we read the Old Testament. I hope you realize, well, there's pretty good stuff back here. I know you've been bored. You've thought Samuel's not all that good, but it, I think you're figuring out it's pretty good stuff. Amen? Not because I'm a good preacher. All I do is read it to you. But, it, but the truth is, it's full of good stuff. Now David goes to pray. Number five, David goes to pray the Lord. 2 Samuel 7, 17. The Bible says that David heard the word of God and heard what God wanted to do. He said, according to all these words, according to all this vision, so did Dathan speak to David. 
And so David said, wow, I just heard what God's got to say. That's what we do. We come to church, say amen. But we don't look at what this book says and hear what God's got to say. And here he's willing. And this is what David did in verse 18. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord and said, Lord, who am I? Oh, Lord God, who am I? And what's my house that you've done all this for me? You get this picture here? This isn't some pagan thing going on. David just walks in and takes a seat. Sits down and says, God, <laughs> I don't understand. I'm sitting here in my chair. I just want to ask you a question. Who in the world am I that you'd be so good to me? Amazing grace. How sweet this is. I don't understand why you're so good to me. David's a nobody and he knows it, but he's confident in his relationship to God. He acknowledges that God has done all the work. He recognizes that he doesn't deserve any of it. And David knows that God's not promising him something that will last just for a moment. Look at verse 19. David says, and this was yet a small thing in thy sight. All you've done for me up till now, how you took care of me when Saul tried to kill me and how you helped me when I fought Goliath and, and how you took care of me when I was in the cave and how you helped me when I was fighting for Judah and how you helped me when I got to Israel. God, you've been so good to me up till now. But that's really a kind of a small thing you've done so far because you've got big plans for me. <laughs> that's pretty good stuff. You've got big plans for you too. Can I just tell you that your wife you're married to, that's a small thing compared to what God's got for you. Can I just tell you all the blessings you've enjoyed up till now? They're small potatoes compared to all eternity that the great God of heaven has prepared for you. Verse 19, he said, And this was a small thing in thy sight, O God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. Wow, what a God you are. This is a matter of man. God, how do you tell people how good you are? David tells God that he knows that God knows him. Look at verse 20. David said, Thou, Lord God, you know me. You know me. Thou knowest thy servant. God's being good to David just because God keeps his word. And he is good. God's being good to David just because God keeps his word. And he is good. Look at verse 21. You need your Bible now. I know why you've been so good to me, God. Look at it. Underline it. For thy word's sake. And because you got a sweetheart. God must be southern. Amen. Because you got a sweetheart. Look at it. It says, For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know God. I don't know who I am that you'd be so good to me. But it ain't because I killed Goliath because you was taking care of me then. And it's not because of what. God, you're just so big. I know why. Because you keep your word. Because you, you got a heart full of love. God's truthfulness is important to him. It's God that's teaching David. It's not God, David doing things for God. So in verse 22, David says, ain't no God like you. Look at him. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard. God, I've been around, I've fought other nations, and I've seen other gods, but ain't nobody got a God like I got. You're the God of all gods, you're the God. And he says, and by the way, God, you sure been good to my country. You sure been good to my country. Verse 23, and what nation, what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself. And now you need your Bible open. But in verse 23, he says, God, you did it to make you a name 
underline that. He wasn't doing it for them. He was doing it so they would. This is service. Look at it. He said to make him a name. What one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem to him for a people to himself, to make him a name. Underline that. And to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before the people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt. David tells God, I know what's going on here. I know why you called us out and redeemed the nation of Israel, to make you a name. I know why we were called out and separated for service, to do for you great things. It was God doing it. And God reminds David of his promise. In verse 24, he said, God, you've confirmed it. God, you've confirmed it. Thou hast confirmed it. Israel is God's people. He will use them for his service. God had made promises to David about his family. 2 Samuel 7, 25. And David knows why. David said, I know why you're making big promises to me. Verse 26. Let thy name be magnified forever. Let thy name be magnified forever. And God, I'd just like to thank you for what you're doing. And just keep being good to me. Verse 28 and 29. Your goodness. And now let it please you to bless the house of your servant. i got three minutes. Get you out on time. No extra charge. What can I take home in my personal life? If you understood the importance of Israel, it ought to affect, when you read the Bible now, you ought to have a good, and, and, when you see that throne of David, now you understand. When you hear about Israel and people talk about Israel and you're like, I don't get what Israel, 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 I'm tired of Israel. It's all in the Bible. It's God's people. Say, man, he chose them to use them. And as God prospered you, have you thought more about him and how to serve him? Or have you thought less? That's the next thing I want you to think about. God's prospered you. Could you think back where you were back then? Before salvation or back when you were poor or back when you were hiding in caves or back when you were, when you were running for your life and a king was throwing spears at you and that's the Bible story. Could you think back then? Now God's given you rest. What's on your mind? How many of you are sitting around saying, man, I want to know him more? Probably if you're like, I got a boat and a ski-doo and a speedo and a speedo and I don't have time for any of that God stuff. Come on. Huh? Because you see what ends up happening is your materialism takes over and shoves God to the sideline. It could have happened to David, but it didn't. Are you using the excuse of your busyness not to have enough time for God? You're so busy making more money, God doesn't have time for you. Do you really think you'll change when things slow down? Can you see how God loved a man that loved him and wanted to do for him? Now, can I get over this story? If I was to put on a play back in Peru with them Peruvians, this would be a great one. David goes in and says, God, I'm going to build you a house. God says, you ain't building me no house, boy. I don't need you to build me a house. You don't want me to build your house? Nope, I built your house. Fact is, I'm going to build you a house that lasts forever. You don't want to build a building that wouldn't even last forever. I'll just go ahead and build you one that lasts forever. Fact is, I'll let you, I'll give you a throne. It'll be forever throne. Fact is, I, I tell you what, I'll let my own son sit on your throne. You want to do something for me? Watch out. I can do more for you than you could ever do for me. Hey, man, that's good stuff. Have you fallen into the trap of thinking that serving God is costing you? And so you consider not doing much for God because it costs too much? You know, some of us, we don't give, we don't tithe, we don't. Because we're like, man, God just wants too much. Well, you hadn't read 2 Samuel 7. Do you realize that God saved you and given you all the success that you have in your life? Do you realize God has a purpose for your life? Do you consider what your life means and what your life's purpose is? Do you know that what God says and then talk to him about it? 
what he has said. Do you, you, you read this? See, that's what happened. David got through hearing Nathan. Nathan said, you can't build a house. Uh, I'll build your house. And David said, give me a chair, boys. I'm going in there and talk to him. You got a Bible? How many of you are spending time talking to him? You got a plan for your life, and this ain't a game. Are you magnifying his life? His name? Are you magnifying his name? He sure is doing good stuff in your life. This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. For more information, log on to www.visionbaptist.com where you can find our service times, location, contact information, and more audio and video recordings.